I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It is another episode of TRB Reviews. We are continuing our discussion of Star Trek Picard. Yes, this week we're discussing episode eight. I can't believe it. Only two episodes left of season one of Picard. Well, these are spoilery reviews, so take us through those Borg conduits. Actually, I don't know how to work this. (laughs) Well, I do. Let's rock it. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, episode eight already, man. We've been doing eight episodes here of Star Trek Reviews. We got to talk to Blue Phoenix on Monday, and we've got a great episode coming up on Friday, so I hope you join us for that. I am The Real Brian. Thank you for being here today. I'm Captain Influence, and I'm so happy to be here today. Hey, Captain. How are you? Super. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, so excited. What? What just happened? (laughs) I don't know. It wasn't me. I feel like I just got taken over by like a admonition (laughs) or something. Was that an admonition like memory that just happened? That's what they missed in the admonition. Not not quite as traumatic, right? No, no. But I'm saying like in the admonition, there's like these horrific scenes. And then there's just like this one little scene where there's this valley girl like, hi, um, we created like lots of synths and they just killed everyone. Oh, my gosh. How did we do that? And then it flashes to another horrific scene. I'm going to show you what they did. It's been so funny. <laughs> My favorite scene in those flashes was where they had there was like this this nanosecond of, of some planet, and part of the planet was exploding outward. Oh it yeah, really cool. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's really cool. But then it was gone in an instant, and I can you can't even pause it. It's so fast. Did you so. notice Data's face in that admonition? No, I didn't. Yeah, that was shocking. So they show an android and it was like an early version of an android and then it morphs. And then at the very end of that super fast flash was Data's face. Oh, okay. And I went back and rewatched it like multiple times and I'm like, yep, that is definitely Data's face. Why would Data's face be in that admonition? Well, because he's he's a, a synth that we all know and love and they're they're, they're connecting that. The show creators are connecting that uh that event with what we know. Okay, but if I'm if I'm looking at okay, these were actual visions from two to three hundred thousand years ago, which that's exactly what they were. Right. Why would data be in that vision? So yeah, okay, they can connect Don't it from a, a Hollywood <laughs> perspective, but from a story perspective, what the heck was data two hundred thousand years old, or was that lore? No, it couldn't have been though, because. Like, that's what doesn't make any sense to me. It was like, was that just a little like, hey, that's nice. Here you go, fans. Or was that like, uh, wait a minute, something's going on here that we don't know about. I don't know if we can really dig too deep into that specific because I'm in the camp that just says that that was just the show creators throwing in a bunch of horrific and targeted scenes. It went so fast. I just I just don't know that there's anything to it, but we'll see. See, and that would be disappointing if there was nothing to it. And it would be really interesting if there was. But I mean, you're probably yeah, yeah, right. You're right. You're right. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I agree with you. Well, there you go. So <laughs> they talked about the four mothers. We finally got 
this whole thing of what happened. What I really liked was that we realized that, oh, wait, okay, this is this is Commodore O pre her being in the Federation. You know, she's Jad Vash. She's mm-hmm. the leader of this conclave of the eight. It's interesting now because now we start to understand what all these little flashback visions were. And it's this what they called the admonition which was like this data download of all of these actual events that happened 200 plus thousand years ago by this other race and blah, 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 blah. If you can endure the admonition, then you're going to be fine. And otherwise it's going to make you crazy. And of course it does. People shoot themselves and beat themselves with a rock. And that was very disturbing. But interestingly, Rizzo, obviously she's traumatized, but she's just standing there. So it's like, okay, obviously she could handle it. Obviously O could handle it. And Ramda, she's there pre Borg. She's Rizzo's aunt, which was kind of surprising. And she sort of endured it, but not really. Obviously, she went crazy. And then, of course, they say something about, you know, that her despair and insanity essentially broke the Borg ship, which I don't really know what that meant. That was yeah, kind like of interesting. It, this episode was so great in many ways because there was a ton of exposition yeah. that we've been craving the whole season. Yeah, they're tying uh, it all together they finally. It, yeah, they're, they're really tied a lot together. They resolved a lot of mysteries explained a lot of things that we've been wondering about. So the, yeah, they're on that planet Aya, it's called, and it's in the middle of what we find out later is it's a planet that some race hundreds of thousands of years ago mm-hmm. placed within a artificially created octonary and some super race brought eight stars together. That's crazy. And put a planet right, right in the, just the right spot, the sweet spot where all the gravitational stuff yeah. won't tear it apart or whatever. Either that's where everything went wrong or that's or that planet was meant to house that one installation where they went through that right as a warning to all all other civilizations against artificial intelligence or synthetic life. That's what it seemed like was inferred by Rafi's discovery was that these planets were, you know, as they put it, dragged together to get people's attention so that they would go there and get the information. Right. What I loved that Picard said. And I I was thinking the same thing before he even said this in the episode, but he said, you know, okay, this happened 200 plus thousand years ago. This is fact. This is history, but it doesn't have to be the future. And I liked that because I'm like, that's kind of what I was thinking the whole time. Just because it happened then doesn't mean it will happen again. It's just, we should learn from it. So I liked his his perspective on that. I did. And it was very Picard of him to say that. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I've been finding myself uh, with this episode specifically I have started finding myself somewhat sympathizing with the Jad Vash finally because mm. you get to see the traumatic experience that they all go through as a matter of their initiation or something. Sure. And you're given to understand that it's a truly horrific experience. Through that experience, they're convinced to the bottom of their bones that they have to devote their entire existence to eliminating all synthetic life. Yeah. So, so, so far in the series, they've been the bad guys, and understandably so. But this episode brings in a gray area that I think is really interesting. A part of you, at least, can kind of, even though we all love Soji, we don't want her to die, and we didn't want Dodge to die in the, in the beginning, but we at least understand now why they're so zealous. They're overzealous about destroying synthetic life through any means necessary, mm-hmm. even, even, through, even through guile, and, which we find out. So This brings me to... Agnes and all of the questions we've had about her. You ask the question, why did she, you know, Commodore O comes to her in Okinawa and then shows her this vision. And all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'll do this and I'll take that tracking device. That explains it. You know, why did Agnes kill Maddox? That explains it. 
so yes, she was shown this admonition. And surprisingly, my question is, did she endure the admonition or did Commodore O block some of the vision in order to allow her to endure it, which again, we don't know that, but one way or the other, this makes sense as to why Agnes is so troubled. And at first I'm like, oh my gosh, she's getting annoying. But after seeing what (laughs) happened in this episode, I'm like, oh my God, that totally makes sense now. But here's the thing. You're sympathetic to the Jad Vash, which makes sense. Obviously only on one level. No, I know. I know. But that's why Agnes decided I'll do this for you and I'll take the tracker. That makes sense now. However, this is where I think it's cool. Agnes destroyed the tracker. Once she met Soji, she wanted to kill Soji, but once she met Soji and actually got a chance to get to know, I mean, of course, there's that curiousness because Agnes was, you know, working with Maddox to to create synthetic life. And remember, like it was her dream to meet a synth. And so you've got this, these visions from the admonition that's driving her. And then you've got that original pre admonition curiosity that childlike curiosity that she always had also driving her and once she gets a chance to talk with soji and get to know her then she's like i'm not going to kill you i can't do this i'm not going to and so like she's redeeming herself now which i think is so awesome yeah so yeah to me this is like wow they're they're really doing a good job with this like they thought this through very well this episode really in my view brought the show back up to the level that I thought it was where it should be cruising at. You know, when it comes to pulling the story together, I totally agree with you. This is where they needed to go. But Mm -hmm. as far as the enjoyment of the episode, I liked last episode much better than I liked this one. And I get why. And I totally understand why you enjoyed last episode more than this one because of that whole reunion aspect that that was, that was indescribably awesome. So, but you are right. They're both needed. I think is what happens, which I like. Yeah. You know, and that's the nice thing so far I've seen about this this show is that, you know, with The Mandalorian, we saw filler episodes that even at the end of the season, those episodes just weren't needed. Whereas not at all, even though people were like, it was the greatest show on Earth. I'm like, well, this is just they, they just there were episodes that weren't needed. Every episode right. so far in Picard has been needed. And yeah, every episode has furthered the story along. You're right. Yeah. So another question you asked at the end of last week was why the heck did Elnor just happen to find this Fenris Ranger pendant that calls seven (laughs) and well, they explained it. He was in Hugh's office. It was the former directors of the reclamation sites office and that was Hugh's office. Oh, okay. So it was, I missed that explanation. So that that doesn't make at the very beginning of the episode. It was Hugh's pendant and he saw it dangling and called. And so I was like, Oh, that's okay. Thank you. (laughs) Cause I thought, wait, I was, I was in the same. Now this was what I was impressed with Elnor's training is amazing, right? They throw a type of flashbang in there and he closes his eyes and you could see he almost went into like this, I don't know, meditative state of control. And so even though the effects still got to him, it kind of blocked some of the effects. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. There was a lot of good stuff with Elnor and with seven of nine in this episode. They go down to the queen's chamber in the board cube. She activates the queen's chamber, starts self-healing the board cube. Yeah, the regeneration. Yeah, regenerating it. And then she plugs herself in as the acting queen and starts to take over the cube. And that was a fantastic scene. Mm, And you know what Uh, was cool is when she was talking about, well, he was like, why don't you just, you know, like bring the Borg in and assimilate? She said, we can pit the Borg against the Romulans. And he was kind of like, yeah, just do it. And she's like, assimilating them, though. We're going to be assimilating the Romulans. They definitely will not want to be reclaimed afterwards. And I may not want to let them go. 
Right. Which was yeah, like, ooh, was, it's that power. She was worried about about the power that she was going to have. And that that was yeah. a very, I appreciated that. And it was close too. Very. Yeah, it was th- that that whole part of the episode was really great. That was probably my favorite part of the episode and such a huge shock. I mean, almost almost expected, but a huge because we knew that simultaneous to this, that Rizzo was working to kill as many of the Borg and XBs as possible, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so she takes over the cube. She becomes the queen. She's activating all the Borg. And right when she's activating them, what happens? <laughs> Yeah, they sucked him into space. Oh, and you're like, no, no. And, and, and of course, Seven's like, no, you know. Yeah. So that was a really that was a really poignant part of the episode. Borg can survive in space. They don't need atmosphere because they, they did in first contact Star Trek first contact. Oh, yeah. So tech now granted they got sucked out. I get that. So, you know, they can't, they I mean, can't they, do anything. You can't really fly back to the ship, but technically right. they're not dead. So I wonder how they're going to pull that yeah. to. Yeah. Will they, will they be able to go and grab them and kind of bring them all back? But at this point, who knows, but good question because still. at the near the end of the episode, the Romulan forces occupying the Borg all leave. Yeah. The important thing about that scene is that after all is said and done, seven acknowledges that, you know, they have control of the cube. Now she lets go of that control. Well, it sounded like the Borg collective released her. Oh yes, that you're right because she says, Oh, and this is a good conversational point. Yeah. She says when when that happens, she says Annika still has work to do or whatever. And I was yeah, like, Annika, that was, was that Seven's name before? Oh yeah. Okay, so I, yeah. I didn't know that because I never, I was not a Voyager guy. So oh, that's true. Uh, that was weird to me because I thought, wait a minute here, are you going to try to reclaim her to the collective and or wow, you recognize personality? That was I don't know. That was really interesting to me. Or was it just when she's plugged into the cube and part of the that you know mini collective? Mm-hmm. Is she just thinking in the third person? Maybe. Maybe maybe it was her saying that, but instead of saying, I still have work to do, she said, Annika still has work to do. So yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So cool, though. That whole sequence of events in that story arc was really neat. And I, I was yeah. really hoping. I mean, I was just waiting to see the <laughs> Borg get out and start assimilating those Romulans. I was really hoping for that, which is weird. Everyone was. Yeah, because we hate the Borg. But I'm like, right. in this moment, I'm like, come on. But uh, and of course, she does still have a handful of Borg under her control. Again, this is before she releases control. Mm-hmm. She has a handful of Borgs under control. They're all chasing down uh, Rizzo. Yeah, they, they overwhelm they her. her. They overwhelm her and then she transports out. All of her ships take off. <sighs> and we all know that they're headed towards the same place that Picard and his gang's headed and it's a race now. So, yeah. Well, maybe Seven can command the Borg ship to chase after them as well. Because yes, if it's been regenerating, I, then they'll have propulsion power and they can go after him. I feel like they're going to go that direction. It has to. So I mean, awesome. I, they're just not going to. They're just going to let. They're not going to let that thread flutter in the wind and and forget about it. So yeah. Okay, so moving into the storyline on the La Serena, which is the name of Rios's ship. Or, which I heard La Serena. Well, it yeah, it's technically La L A and then Serena or Serena, okay. depending on how you pronounce it. That guy had a little bit of an accent, so I thought it was a La Serena. But it's, it's like La Serena, I think is the name of okay. it. But it was mentioned once before, and I didn't catch it. That's the name of his ship. So we've got Rio, Soji, Picard, Rafi, and then, of course, all the uh, <laughs> the emergency holograms. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> and, and, of course, Clancy, Admiral Clancy comes back, and, and I'm calling her uh, Foulmouth Granny. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this character in the video game Blade and Soul, 
and she's just this random character in one of the towns and it's this granny literally that's her name foul mouthed granny there's no profanity in this game at all and then you go into this little town and she serves basically it's like a, a little diner kind of thing it's an outdoor diner and almost everything she says is bleeped out it's literally like beep 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 it's oh, really? so funny and so her name is foul mouthed granny and so that's what i'm calling admiral clancy from here on out fair enough Picard talks to her. Obviously, she's realizing, okay, you're not some crazy person. You know, okay, this is real now. He, I, I like how he just kept fighting her and fighting her. And he's like, and she's like, stop. Like, I'm giving Shut you up. a squadron. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I got to be honest, though. Like, them saying they were going to DS12 versus DS9. Kind of sad, man. I wish they would have said we're going to DS9. But whatever. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So, but I was excited. I was looking forward to seeing DS12, which didn't no, we're, happen. We're not going so. to. So, and, and they're not getting the squadron. So, that's going to, hopefully, the squadron will come help them. Yeah, we shall see. But and there'll be a big battle between the squadron and Jad Vash. Oh, I, I feel like that's going to happen. And yeah. then the Borg oh, and the Borg a three a three way. Yes. Oh, man. The episode starts off with Picard and Soji beaming back. Rios is locked on Soji flipping out and then that's it. And I'm like, OK, he's seen her before. Something's going on. And then yeah. Rafi's freaking out. Anyway, that whole thing happens. And then you see some of the emergency holograms. Well, I thought it was interesting how she's having all of these conversations between the holograms, which were kind of awkward conversations, you know, a la the last. I feel like maybe the awkwardness is Rafi. Every time Rafi has scenes, I feel like they're just kind of weird and awkward and mm, yet charming yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I didn't get as much of that in this episode, but you're, you have something there. Yeah, well, especially with the uh, the Enoch one, ENH, when she thought it was. <laughs> rios you know and they're talking and then turns around and she's like wait a minute which one are you you know it was yeah. just kind of a weird conversation but that was really fascinating and then she pulls them all together and it's like this council of you know emergency holograms yeah but she's and trying they're all, to figure they're all their own little personalities <laughs> yeah and i loved it because you know as she's trying to, to uncover the story of the conclave of eight and the whole basically the this the octanarian she's trying to figure all this out what i thought was interesting that we didn't talk about was Essentially, they're like five parts of Rios's personality, right? Because when he got the uh, the La Serena, it was what did he say that he did? He like turned on the self scan option and then right. never opted to revert it. And so all of these hollows are like part of him, but then they couldn't remember certain things. So it's like he's been going around and deleting certain aspects of them, which is weird, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what we got. And it's like, well, no wonder they're kind of like quirky. <laughs> Rafi goes into sleuth mode and goes from one to the other, kind of uncovering little tidbits of information about yeah. Rios's past yeah. and why he might have been freaked out by, by Soji. Through those conversations, we learn a little bit here and a little bit there. They reveal enough for her to confront Rios directly, and then Rios spills his beans. One thing I wanted to just quick side note about Rafi. She's getting her wits about her again. She's not drunk and depressed. She's starting to come back together. She's getting back to her old self. And I just wanted to True. say, awesome. I so appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, because right. she locked herself out of the alcohol in her quarters. Yeah. And so now she's be, for, she's forcing herself to be sober and it's and it's producing results. Yeah, and when she went into Rios's cabin, I thought she got herself a glass of red wine and I realized Me that too. <laughs> it was coffee for Rios. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's she's awesome. I love this. Yeah. So proud of proud of Rafi. I just wanted to say that now. When we get into Rios's quarters, he's by himself. You know, he's like piss off and pissing off, sir. Anyway, that was great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So he's pulling all of this stuff out, which I thought was interesting. And the first thing he pulls out is like an old Starfleet case. And on it is said the USS Ibn Majid. And at first I thought, what the heck is that? I can't even read that because it was upside down. Well, I looked it up 
And Ibn Majid is Ahmed Ibn Majid, an Arabian explorer and cartographer from the 1400s. So that's the name of the ship, the USS Ibn Majid. So that was like, it was kind of a weird name to say that. Well, then he pulls out the picture of Rios and his captain. And by the way, the music in that episode, in that actual scene was in freaking credible. Oh, so good. Yeah, I didn't notice. Oh my gosh, it was, it was beautiful. And then of course he pulls out that drawing and you see it from like, the other side, like the light yeah. shining through. And I'm like, that's Soji behind. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What the heck? I'm like, no wonder he looked at her so weird. So that whole thing comes up. Well, moving forward, you realize that, okay, is that Soji? No, it's another synth that looks like Soji from her planet. They, and this, what did she say? Her mentor essentially had come out to meet them in first contact on the Ibn Majid. And then of course the captain got orders to, shoot the synths which of course at the time rios didn't know that they were synths, and then of course he's like what the heck he taxes captain confronts captain vander uh, what was his name vandermeer, uh, vandermeer. Yep. yeah and then the captain kills himself and then the whole thing just goes to hell and then of course everybody it, it's deemed as quote classified but essentially it's all covered up and all the bodies are blown into space and everything's given this huge lie by starfleet so right. that explained finally what was going on with that and why he was so traumatized which once again yep. that makes sense i love that yep. like so many people have been like, man, everybody is so depressed and gloomy and dystopian. And it's all making sense now because yeah. even as Picard saying at one point, there's this, someone said, this is the Romulans fault. Like this is the Jadvash's fault that everything really is all messed up. And then Picard says, yes, they did it. They actually created the incident on Mars. However, right. Starfleet was already having problems and was already fearful and so as a result, they instituted things they should never have done. And so it was like this, this path down the dark side. And of course, O was already infiltrating Starfleet. So she was spreading that fear and lies and other things like that. So, I mean, it just makes sense now. And it's not, this isn't hard to believe is what I'm trying to say. And then even at one point, Picard responding to all of that going on, saying that fear is the great destroyer. And that's what the Jadvash have. They have fear. Starfleet has hope, optimism, and curiosity. And so I personally believe that there will be redemption for Starfleet. It's that stuff we've all been hoping for. And so I think it's been really, From really good one, yeah. yeah, that they're explaining all of this. So that really made sense. And, and I'm glad that Rios and he was able to overcome that with Soji and the Soji lookalike woman, you know, synth that he met liked French oh. fries dipped in peppermint ice cream, peppermint ice cream. So yeah, great. <laughs> I thought very interesting. So how many Soji's how you know are there? Yeah. <laughs> she says, yeah, that's interesting to me. How many of them did Maddox make? And that's what we're probably going to find out at some point. Of course, one thing they, they say at the end of all of this, everything's coming together, tying all the pieces together was that through all of these visions, through everything that happened was that the threshold of synth evolution had crossed a line that they shouldn't have crossed. Well, this is where it became mysterious, and this is in that conversation they're having in the dining hall on the La Serena. The synths actually caused all of this. They evolved, essentially, and they caused all the destruction. But then somebody says, someone really bad showed up. Yeah, when someone crosses a line, someone shows up. Yes. Uh, and, and they equated it to Cochrane breaking the warp barrier, and then the Vulcans showed up, even though they weren't really bad. They were yeah. someone showed up, though. Yes. Uh, and then Aggie was like someone really bad. So, so. that's what I'm wondering did someone really bad show up like another race came in and did something really bad or, or did or they corrupted the synths maybe or the, like the synths became corrupted and that was the really bad person that showed up if you know what I yeah. mean so we yeah. don't know what that is and so my question is who is that somebody 
which I'm sure we'll find out at some point. But one thing I wanted to quickly just kind of jump back to was that conversation between Soji and Picard was so good, so amazing, heartfelt. Yeah, where where she tells him at the end that somehow she knew that Data loved him. Yeah. 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 And and it was neat because he was saying, did you love Data? And Picard's like, well, in my own way. And did he love you? And it's kind of like, well, he wasn't really. It's just, it's kind of like, okay, we finally got to see that stoic Captain Picard sort of admit to his struggles to show emotion throughout the years. Yeah, he seemed to hedge a bit. He was struggling finding words adequate words to explain his feelings towards data, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I was more expecting him to be, you know, very, yes, I loved him dearly. He was mm-hmm. a dear friend. I loved, you know, I, I, I do anything for data, yada, yada, yada. But he hemmed and hawed, not that he didn't love him, just that he, he was trying to articulate what he felt. It was a little awkward doing so. And he's always had that problem. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I also like what Picard said about data, about how he treated data and how, you know, what kind of a quote man he was and, that was neat. You know, I was, yeah. I don't know. It's just a neat scene and just felt so cool. And then of course, yeah, him saying Soji saying that, you know, yeah, data loved you. And just Picard's face in that moment was just like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it came together in the story. It explains a lot of the dystopian aspect and a lot of what, why everything's going on. And I'm finally seeing some redemption. I love it. I, I'm yeah. so happy with it. There was yeah. one thing that captain Picard mentioned at the very end of the episode. He's reminiscing about when he was an ensign on the Reliant. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking Reliant, that was the ship that Khan hijacked in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Everyone's yeah. favorite old school Star, <laughs> you know, Star Trek movie. Yeah. Khan! Yeah. You know, everybody knows that. But yeah, that's that was the Reliant. And I and I'll never forget exactly what that ship looked like. I mean, that was the first Star Trek movie I saw oh, yeah. when I was in first grade. Classic. When he talked about that, I really wish he had mentioned that somehow. So my question for you, Brian, was was he on the recommissioned Reliant after the old one was destroyed in that event? Or was it the same ship before Khan took over? He was definitely not born yet when the original, I didn't think so. Yeah. So the original Reliant was the twenty third century. It was like twenty two eighty five, I believe is what it is. Okay. And as we know right now, it's the final year of the twenty fourth century in Picard. Right. So obviously, no, he couldn't have been on the original Reliant. So no, this was a different USS Reliant, you know, whatever. Yeah, recommissioned Reliant. Yeah, so this was a 24th century Reliant. Now, here's the interesting thing, because I remember him mentioning this before in one of the TNG episodes. In the original airing of, this was an episode called The Measure of a Man, which ironically was about data. And it was season two, I think. It wasn't even mentioned. I guess this was like a, a scene that got cut. They did a an extended, you know, on the DVD version, they did an extended, they put that extra scene in and he talks about having served on the Reliant. Well, then, okay. and I did not catch this one, but I did look this up to find out in the first episode of Picard, Remembrance, you know, when he's in that quantum archive, the Starfleet right. archives. Yeah, yeah, well, he has a service award for his time on the Reliant and it actually shows it. So go back and rewatch oh, that when okay. you get a chance and, and look for that service award. And then, of course, he talked about, you know, the night watch serving night watch on this episode. So, yeah, the USS Reliant, uh, he served aboard this ship as an ensign from 2327 to 2330. Now, remember, we're in 2399 right now in Picard. Right. When he was waiting for the completion of the USS Enterprise D in 2364, he also helped with the decommissioning of the USS Reliant. 
oh, okay. same year. So yeah, so that's a little bit of a, a backstory on the Reliant. And yeah, because of course his first command was the USS Stargazer, which of course they talked about that a lot in the next generation. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now I don't know if those are the only three ships he served on. Was it the Reliant, the Stargazer, and I don't think so. I think there might have been another ship in there, but I don't remember. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So they, go. Well, they head into the board. Con- oh, I love that. The board conduit thing, by the way, I'm so glad they brought that up because it's like, man, that was a huge thing in Voyager was right. all of the, the transwarp conduits that the board created. And that's how they were able to travel so fast all over the, the universe. Essentially, they get into that board conduit. And then, of course, I'm like, are you kidding? Me? Is what? that is Guess that douchebag yeah. following them and again? Delta Bravo is oh, waiting God. for them right outside the board. It's like it's like it's like playing Eve online and some you know, some jerk pirates waiting next to a wormhole right when you come out and, yeah. or except he was waiting for you to go in and it's, uh, so yeah, I was, I was like, Oh, come on, dude. Yeah. No. How, how did he find them? Why was he there? Because, because they had, they didn't want to write him out of the show. That's why he still has a part to play. Yeah, I guess. How it, else were they going to get him in there? That frustrated me a little bit. I was like, yeah. really? That was the one thing that I was like, <laughs> come on. I was kind of hoping Narek was gone from the series at that point. Well, not even that, but that, you know, he found another way to track them and you know, the whole thing, like just waiting by that Borg conduit. I'm like, seriously. Yeah. I mean, honestly too, how did he even really know about the Borg? Well, I guess he would. That's probably not, that's not secret totally. knowledge. It's, yeah. It's not totally unbelievable, but still yeah. it was, it was, uh, you and I both felt the same disappointment when we saw him come out of cloak and yeah. follow them. So, uh, Oh, well, <laughs> All you know, all of the Romulan um, warbirds. Those were an interesting design. They looked like kestrels or whatever. They looked like birds. Yeah. Um, I really was hoping that they would have a Romulan warbird, like a next generation style, massive Romulan warbird show up. Maybe they will in the next two episodes. The Derrick. Yeah, I'm really yeah. hoping they do because I love that ship design Keep and they're mind, so they're, big. They're old though. They're 30 years old now. They are, but they're massive and they're very powerful. I know. Well, what they need is they need a D. Derrick's like new version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Those were cool. Something that's recognizable and massive like those were. But instead we have these much smaller. Almost like scout ships or fighter ships or something like that. Scout ships or destroyers or whatever. But yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too, is we still haven't really seen any Starfleet ships either, which I've found to be very interesting. Yeah, you're right. Not a single one. And I know we will. I just just know that they're going to bring one or several Starfleet ships, probably the squadron to. that the Admiral sent to rendezvous with them in deep space 12. Yeah, so let's hope they do. And let's, uh, you're right. Let's, let's hope for a D Derrick Let's hope for some, I mean, we got to see the old Romulan warbird or the, I'm sorry, the Romulan bird of the, prey. Yeah. The, the old school bird thing. of prey. Yeah. That was fun, but maybe we'll see it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But either way, it was yeah. a great episode overall. Excited to see what happens. We got two more left. So we'll bring those to you next Wednesday. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, man. Join us on Friday, of course. You know what the music means. Oh, yeah. We've got some fun stuff to talk about on Friday. Stay safe. Have fun. Enjoy your week. And thank you for listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Give us your comments on Star Trek Picard as well. Let you know what you're thinking of the show. And hopefully you're enjoying it. Uh, Yeah. Hopefully it's starting to come together for all of us. But hey, thank you. Captain Influence, thank you. Thank you. A great rest of your day. This is The Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.